When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. This episode of The Need to Fail is brought to you by paper. I love paper. I like to write on it. I like to draw on it. I don't like that we kill trees to make it because I'll say it. I love trees. I love them. They're nature's providers and protectors. And I just want to hug them. And oh God, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> I almost said I was going to get sappy. Oh, that would have been a good pun if I didn't ruin it by talking about it. Paper! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Need to Fail. My name is Don Finelli. I run this thing uh, for only a little bit longer, though. We're in our final episodes here. We're revisiting some of my original guests from back in 2013. Next up is my buddy, Josh Rubin. But first, we got maybe my last faily fail call ever. I don't know. It's with, uh, I'll say it, my favorite fan, my number one fan, the record holder for faily fail call-ins, Maddie B. out in Michigan. And it's probably my favorite. Don, I figured it out. If I only listen to the new episodes, I bank them up and I just listen to one new one a month, then Need to Fail can last for like, you know, like up until the end of the year, maybe. So I'm I'm still good. I'm not uh, stressed about the end of your podcast at all. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. I'm kind of back at work. And most of my friends uh, are not, or their business that they own is in incredible jeopardy. And even a larger subset of my friends are uh, acutely afraid of being um, murdered by the police. So uh, I'm good. Thanks for asking. My stress is at absolutely 100% peak level, and uh, none of my joints will work because of it. I'm just a stiff little nervous man. Bye. I love you. A stiff little nervous man. And you know what? That's how I'm always going to remember you, Matty B. But in all serious, buddy, I am sorry your joints suck. I am sorry you were surrounded by shittiness. Uh, thank you for your support over the years. I love you too, my friend. Oh, segue. You know what else I love? Promoting shit. I can't tell you how much it fills me with joy to promote my own shit. It's America. I feel American. So remember, I got some farewell merch on tpublic.com. Everything is on sale for the next five weeks. Uh, check out my Twitters or Instagrams for the links, or you can just search uh, The Need to Fail or Mahalo Your Dreams on tpublic. What a time to try and sell some merch. Let me tell you. All right, let's get to this shit. So over seven years ago, 
I released my episode with my good bud, Josh Rubin, okay? And I interviewed him in his office at College Humor at the time in New York. He would be leaving eight months later, so I snagged him at the right time. But it's such a great interview to listen back to. If you just want to get a sense of Josh's drive and his tenacity, you know, when he's 18, he's rejected from all these big acting programs and colleges, but he winds up getting into the new actors workshop, which is now defunct. But he goes on to study with like Mike Nichols and Paul Sills and George Morrison, like the best of the best. It still blows my mind. But yeah, he's relentless in getting an agent. He has a ton of great stories, so go listen to that episode. Fast forward to 2020. So great to catch up with him. Uh, As you will hear, I kind of use him as a benchmark for my own career uh, because I greatly admire his talent. I think he's one of the best character actors of our generation. And I always saw him, you know, creating shit. Like he had this passion to create and it was inspiring. And I, I look up to him still to this day. But you'll hear me talk about it. I used him as a guide when I was sending in my SNL auditions, like back in the day after Just for Laughs. I kind of found out his journey with that and it turned me off in a way. And I was like, this dude's legit perfect for the show. And if he's not getting on, like, why the fuck am I doing? This? There's no way I'm getting on. And then I was thinking about it. I had to like, I was like, am I going to let one person's journey just affect me that much? Like how much do I actually want this? And it was actually very helpful. I came to the conclusion, like if I really wanted this, I would fight for it uh, the way I have with some other things in my life. And I, I just wasn't willing to do that. This is all to say It was a great talk about his SNL journey. We talk about some other ups and downs these last few years with him. Josh is fresh off directing his first studio film, Werewolves Within, starring Sam Richardson, Michaela Watkins. Uh, They just wrapped like the beginning of March. So good timing on that. But his film, Scare Me, uh, that he wrote, directed, and starred in with Aya Cash and Chris Redd, got into this year's Sundance Film Festival, was picked up by Shudder for distribution here and overseas. Uh, He's directed commercial sketches, short films, co-directed Tond, one of my favorite short films ever. Shout out to Kelly Hudson. Uh, He acted in a shit ton of stuff. Uh, If you don't follow him on Instagram, he's a master at throwing out hilarious short uh, character vids, so get on that. He's an OG of college humor, UCB sketch master. Uh, This was a fun one. Let's get to it. Here he is, seven years later. It's Josh Rubin. I'll tell you a funny story back then. I remember, did you do um, Just for Laughs at all? I auditioned twice and then years later they asked me to come talk like, you know, two years ago, but I never got in. Okay. So first of all, that's fucking insane and horrible. So I remember, (laughs) I remember because I use you as an example sometimes when I was like, I think I want to be on SNL. And then I was talking to Brian, we have the same manager and I was like, you know, I did just for laughs and they're like, they weren't really into you, but you, you want like to send them like a tape of some different stuff. And he was basically like, tell me about you. And I was like, listen, I'm not getting on. If Josh is not getting on this fucking show, I'm not getting on this fucking show, man. <laughs> I, and I truly, that was like a, be- I was like, dude, you were, you were one of the best impressionists. Like you were made for that show. Okay. There's plenty of people that were kind of just like made for that show that didn't get it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember you auditioning. A co- I, I, I remember talking to Brian. He's like, I auditioned a couple of times and he didn't audition. And they were like, we want to, we want him to audition. Yeah. As soon I as like, I said, no, I was like, fuck that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and I was like, I don't want to play those games. And we have a lot of friends that work there and they have, they have some great experiences and stuff like that. But yes. I was, it yeah. got to a point where I was like, if you're not on, I don't really, I'm just, it's just not my style to like play games and, and and kind of do the mm-hmm. back and forth and be like I, I really need you stuff and I, it's such a turnoff for me so 
<laughs> you were my benchmark. I was like, oh, wait. dude. I was, th- I was talking to Stan. I was like, dude, this dude didn't get fucking on. No way. I'm not doing this. Yeah. No way am yeah. I going to send in another fucking video. I sent in my fun shit. They saw me live. They didn't like it. That's fine. You know, what am I going to do? It's it's yeah. all good. As soon as I said, oh, God, I'll never forget the first time I said no. I thought it was probably way too early, but I was doing. Um, Jake and Amir had a pilot at the time mm-hmm. and I had yet to sell a show um, to Comedy Central, but it was like looking good. That didn't go anywhere. Jake and Amir's didn't go anywhere. And right. I was like at a friend's wedding in Hawaii and they were like, <laughs> can you stop in LA and audition? And I was like, I have this going on and that going on. And I just, not, and then everything sort of fell apart, but I did tell them no mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. And I remember when I got text messages from, I mean, random, random people. Yeah. Maybe two of my five major celebrity buddies who I knew when they were broke and now they're like not. And they're like, hi, I just wanted to make sure everything's okay. It's like the the Scientologists like (laughs) surrounded me and we're like, do we just want – we just want to make sure that you made the right decision. Yeah. and I was like, absolutely. And then, and then the fucked up thing is years later when I, I audition and get real, you know, and, and, and get really close yeah. when I didn't want it, I auditioned cause I, I was like in LA anyway. And I was like, fuck it. Okay. Maybe I'll give it one last try and get close. Yeah. Then you go to 8H and then, um, and then you like want it again. And yes. then they didn't even tell me, they didn't even tell me that they, that they didn't even, they didn't even have a yes or a no. I think their exact response was like, we are neither suspending nor extending any holds Jesus. on. Yeah. It was just like, what is this f- yeah. strange place? So they roped but you I, back I, in. I mean, <laughs> you, so you auditioned, oh, you auditioned in front of, uh, you auditioned on the stage. Like you did, you did the mm-hmm. whole thing. How did that go? How mm-hmm. did how'd you feel about it? It was it was pretty cool. I mean, I, it's funny. I actually talked to <laughs> I talked to a buddy who's directing on the show. Uh, well, you know Briganti. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So so, so, so Paul was like, "Hey, um, and this is now. God, this is this is close to eight years later. This is yeah. six or so years later." He goes, "Hey, you know, I never told you this, but I watched your tape and it was really really good. And I'm kind of <laughs> kind of surprised <laughs> you never got on." I was like, "Oh my God, thank God! I thought you, I, thank God you're saying that because I remember yeah. when I I had like a Jeff Bridges impression. I remember when I started to do it, <laughs> I was so nervous and my mouth was so dry. It just I was like, this doesn't sound like him, and I was just like pushed. Uh-huh. Um, but it was." good because you know i heard a giggle or two it might have been sarah schneider throwing me a bone right we were buds at the time right right so i don't know it's uh you're not missing out man i think you know henry zabrowski phrased it really well yet another genius who auditioned for that show yeah it's like you know you're uh when you're a creator or you've got you know more than just that thing going on you'll feel stuck you'll feel stuck in a troop and um yeah can feel like a lateral move if not a step behind because every one of your choices Get scrutinized, you know, it gets right. run through kind of a, you know, a decision maker. And yeah. um, that can be really tough for people that, you know, are kind of get up and go. Yeah. That's such a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a total dream. And I love, I love everyone who works on that show. You know, all those, um, all, all the cast members. Yeah. They're fantastic. And, and they're those, also but. ridiculously talented too. It's not like a talent thing or it's just like, but we know mm-hmm. so many people that you're like, well, they would have been perfect for this. And, and yeah. they have sketch experience and, you know, like it, the list just keeps, you know what I mean? Like. The mm-hmm. list just goes on, the mm-hmm. people that didn't get it. And for one reason or the other. And it probably worked out for the best, right? Like, a lot of the times, like, you... Dude, I, they if fired you, Natasha Rothwell, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they Perfect renew, example. She's got an, 
you know, she's she that is someone that is a creator. There's a natural creator yeah. who probably, you know, devastates you for two seconds and then you realize, oh, I have an HBO overall now because I'm <laughs> I'm kicking ass. And, but it, yeah, it just man. yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It's it's cool. It's it's cool to have had the experience. I, I one of my bucket list items was just to have gotten on the stage. Yeah, to yeah, totally, to man. You that did was, it. That man. was that was it. Yeah, that was it. That's a cool experience. That is. And a now cool I'm experience. dead. Talking <laughs> in the afterlife. This is just white noise with Michael Keaton. <laughs> I, I've, I have a couple couple kind of uh, tentpole questions, but you still mm-hmm. you're still creating during all like you're still making your character like on Instagram. You make the fucking best characters. Like your last one, like like stupid. I forgot what it was. Like stupid people in the future or something like that. Mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. Are you just? Is that just like an outlet for you where you're just like, I can always do this. This is. Are you thinking too much on them? Is it more like a tweet aspect? You're like, I'm just gonna throw this out there and see what happens. Are you working oh, on them? Always, yeah. Always to throw it out. Always to yeah. throw it. Out. I mean, if anything, I'll do three or I'll do five mm-hmm. if it's like more nuanced. Like I yeah. want to get you know Rami Malek right or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. it's always a. <laughs> it's it's the same inkling as you know you want to do a bit or you want to hear a joke out loud and I yeah. just do it and put it out there and it's you know if you want to kind of overthink it or look far into it with and I'm speaking as you as me mm-hmm. you know I I could I could kind of go there's a voice in the back of my head it's like yeah it's branding you're keeping up the you know the funny side and yeah. um but I I never overthink it I'll I'll, I'll always be thankful to Sam Reich for a lot of things I mean he, he and I are old buds but yep. Sam was like he was the one to say, why do you have a separate account for this? I, ha- I had like an old account mm. on Instagram for all right. these characters. And he's like, just put it on the one where you got all the all the followers, <laughs> yeah. you know, where all your fans <laughs> know to see her. And he just turned that into it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. duh. Yeah. And it just, I, you know, and, and it helped me, you know, drum up some shit. And it's like yeah. whenever people self-start or self-generate yeah. and they do what they want to do, that's when it turns into something, you know. So that's why I keep yeah. doing it. It's just like, yeah, you never know. Why is that? Is it just because you think it's it's like what tickles you is what is authentic to you? Do you know what I mean? Like what actually makes you laugh is like your authenticity and you're not doing it for anybody else or to kind of check check off a box for anybody, which is what this industry is in a nutshell. Like if you're going to work for people, you have to check off their boxes. But like when you mm-hmm. self-generate, it's almost like it's almost like checking in with your true authentic self, I guess, or it it touches on a catharsis that's important it does it does and i think i don't know we have the um like billy crystal used to refer to it as a third gland when he <laughs> talks about robin williams you know uh-huh. like how like robin couldn't help but you know do x y or z i think it's like when you or i can't help to do x y or z you workshop it you see how it feels because you do have that urge and it is cathartic when people respond to it and your urge is validated your right. your, your need is validated from a um on a global scale, uh, or, or a more existential scale, you could look at, you know, I tell everybody, um, uh, I use, I use this kind of analogy for everyone. It's kind of like Steve Jobs creating a computer in his, in his garage is the same as Jason signs, making sign signs or Mm -hmm. you making this podcast or me putting a little video out is it turns into something. It becomes part of who you are. If you decide one day, you know, you're going to paint some, you know, some birds because you, you get that urge because you're so passionate about it. It's going to, it's going to hit its own niche, you know, in its own way. People are going to go, Oh fuck the bird paintings. Yeah. You know, 
it's just interesting how that happens. It's when you when you s- strip all the bullshit away, you stop doing stuff for other people. It, mm-hmm. It's that cyclical thing. Yeah, Shyamalan stopping, do, you know, stopping these massive productions and going back to like million dollar, five million dollar movies. Yeah, and he's like, right. oh, like a new, you know, you go back to what your gut wants rather than you know you you appeasing other people. And I think that's that's what I like about doing. I just finished a studio movie. I mean, it's a small first studio movie, but a movie for Ubisoft mm-hmm. and 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 had to be the conductor, the captain for a 12-person cast. And I'm still like, I came home, I still make my little stupid videos. I didn't yeah. change anything. Right, right. You know, because I know that that's, um, that's, that's, that's important to me. I think the problems come in when you start doing that stuff and then you try to monotonize it in a way or you try to have bigger expectations for it. Um, mm-hmm. I might've gotten in trouble doing this podcast when it started kind of taking off more and then you start getting bigger and bigger <laughs> dreams and you start laying things out. And if things don't kind of pan out the way you want them to, it's like you just took mm-hmm. your kind of things that give you the catharsis, that soul stuff. And you, yeah, it's, it's like you lose the magic of it. Sometimes so you have to then re like, you have to go back even further. You know what I mean? You have to like recalibrate always. Um, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that stuff. You know what I mean? Cause then you go yeah. like, Oh, people yeah. like my authentic, this is like who I am. This is what I'm interested in. People like it. Okay. So mm-hmm. like, what do I do with mm-hmm. this? And then you get back into checking off boxes. So it's like, it, I, I think it's like fucking Jim Carrey painting or, you know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know how much he's selling that stuff or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's doing that any expectations of that stuff. It's just like, this is for me. This is what I need right now. I am a creative. I need to express myself. This is how I'm doing it right now. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to do these videos. Like you might find something else that you really love to do, or it might be like, this is Mm -hmm. my, uh, this is my oxygen. Like, this is what I need to kind of purify my system. And everybody needs that thing, whether it's, you know, whatever, you know, fucking, nature photography yeah, right. or, or making silly videos it's and and people should listen to that i think the yeah. problem is you know that when people don't or when they're just like they, they wake up and they're you know they're in their 60s and have you know a health condition and they can't yeah <laughs> they can't do it or they're resentful of the yeah. fact that they were never really allowed to right right so yeah it, it has a cool cyclical rep- repercussions i think now, directing was like always on your mind, but like it kind of really took off. Was there conflict in you with between the acting and directing aspect of things? Like, were you just not seeing, were you just not booking enough, say, acting, or were there just not enough opportunities for you acting? So you kind of go directing, or did you put acting on the back burner because something like some fire in you was just like directing just feels right right now? How did you, how did you know how to kind of, or was it just out of necessity? Like, was it a conscious decision I, I or never. unconscious decision? Oh, it was conscious because I I I never made enough as an actor. I got close a few times. I mean, I think the one time I was able to to really live <clears throat> as a performer was a hundred years ago when I was the voice of Wendy's, and I was way too young <laughs> to know what to do with the money, you know, for about six months. Yeah. Um, but but I I when when that when that money started to run out, yeah. Luckily, at the you know at the same time, talk about like the cyclical nature of doing what you want to do and, 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 and making things. I was making things with my friends. I I had a sketch group. Um, we were putting videos online Yeah, and Sam Rice, who's, who's, you know, now, now the owner, but you know, was the head of the head of everything at college humor video. You know, we would make sketches together with this group. 
So I had that going as like the self-generating, we just have to make this stuff to make it because we're all passionate about it thing. Yeah. And when my acting stuff, you know, the voiceover stuff and, and the rare um, acting gig came up, that was always there. And what, what the self-generating thing turned into was a career at College Humor for seven years. Right. So right. I was resistant to that job because I was like, I don't want an office job. And so right. I was like, you got to try it out for one month. And that, that one month became seven years because I, I not only acted, but I got to cut my teeth directing, learning right. how to direct, produce, write. You know, you basically become an on-staff cast member. And... um you know, that, that was all because I, I was just making shit with my friends, which yeah. is why, you know, we got to keep doing the, this kind of thing. Yeah, um, right. so it was never, it was, it was in a, in a way out of necessity, but it was, it wasn't like I had to go back to working at Best Buy, which I did before <laughs> it was, it was, oh, thank God I'd been putting my back into this other thing. Right. Um, you know, and, and it was in a congruent field and we were all passionate about it, taking it seriously and it was pro looking. So it, 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 it built a place for me in that, on that plane. Yeah. And, um, I, I still to this day really don't, I, I don't quite feel comfortable directing commercials. I don't love the idea of directing difficult actors. I luckily I, I haven't had to do that yet. But um, right. you know, I, I'm a, I'm also really sensitive. I'm like a raw nerve, um, mm -hmm. as firm as I can be. So that's that's where I I get nervous, but also sort of thrilled about directing. Um, but I uh, I don't know. I, I I would I would love to to just act, but it's it's. Uh, I think for me now, I just what I say is that oh, it's just cool to not do just one thing. Yeah, right. Um, and I like the idea of not just doing one thing. It's like you make a movie and then make some stupid little videos and then write something and you know some dance around genres and act and yeah, it's kind of like I'm, I'm just doing what you know <laughs> what's what's offered to me. Yeah, and, and not stopping and trying not to think too too much about it. Well, if anybody listens back to the first episode of this, you know, seven years ago, I think I think the easiest way, if you haven't, I think the easiest way to sum up that conversation to what I took away from, you know, talking to you is like the amount of drive mm. that you have, like the word drive comes in my head a lot mm. of the time because you were persistent with, you know, you didn't get into a bunch of acting colleges, but that led you to work at the New Actors Workshop and you worked with like the best people in the fucking business. Like you worked with Nichols, yeah. you worked with Paul Sills, you worked with George Morris. You know what I mean? Like you work with some yeah, unbelievable yeah. people and you, and I remember you saying something like you, you take a lot, you still use that stuff that you learned from them. Are you still using that stuff to this day? Are you still doing, you know, learning shit that you've learned from Nichols and Sills, like in your directing and are there things that you're still taking from that class? Cause that seemed to be like a game changer for you. I wish I knew more about Nichols's actual craft mm -hmm. as a director. Right. What I understand because you did scene studies with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And right. you know, so I would, I would kind of watch him, like you know, I, 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 I feel like I've relayed a similar some similar philosophical talk to actors, but, but we're, we're, I think we're different, even though he was a performer in the way that I'm a performer, what I find myself doing is sort of more pitching, mm -hmm. um, pitching sort of jokes and ideas off camera. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes sort of pseudo performing in a way that I know in my bones, 
won't be pandering or won't be micromanaging, but will make the actor laugh. Right. As Josh, I right. know how, I, how, how you quote unquote, we know we're funny, we're funny people. Mm-hmm. We can make people laugh by doing the thing that we do. So part of my technique is sort of bringing my performing and into charming mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> actors and yeah. doing certain shit. Right. What Mike did was, I think a big piece of what he, what he, what he, what I understand he did was, he didn't want you to overthink it, but he wanted you to be prepared and he was gentle. So, yeah, right. you know, you, you, you have to be like a good person, but you also, there's a firmness in there where you kind of have to be like, you know, I love you guys. And tomorrow you're going to come and learn your fucking lines. Uh-huh. And we're going to kill it. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. this combination sort of a, sort of a thing. So I, I think, and then as far as the, you know, the acting stuff goes, otherwise, I mean, I, I think the other day I probably applied some relaxation exercise just with all that's going on, just like breathing in through a third eye thing that George taught us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. You were talking about so much of that, so much, well, a lot of those classes was, was about the psychology behind just being an actor, like not necessarily, it was acting techniques, but also this whole life of how to kind of relax yourself you need to be relaxed mm-hmm. to access right like as an actor you need to relax enough to even if you want to be tense it's almost important to relax yourself first before that tense nature or else you kind of block other parts of your mm-hmm. life i guess right that you're trying to bring to the mm-hmm. camera or the stage so it's such an insanely important thing that i wasn't taught in my acting classes um that i think is like vital is is sometimes it's not just the craft, but it's like getting into the craft. It's almost like if you're a surgeon. I don't know if you watch Lennox Hills, this like um, documentary on Netflix, but it's that's so funny you said that because we just watched the Amy Schumer documentary last night. And she she gave birth at Lennox Hills. Oh, crazy! I, I, I will definitely I will definitely check that out. It's it's an actual doc about the hospital. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it it follows like a two neurosurgeons and uh, OBGYN uh, and a resident and a ER nurse, and it kind of goes between their those stories. But the the two neurosurgeons wow. before they perform neurosurgery, they have the person in front of them. They're knocked out. He they take everybody in the room and they visualize. They just take a deep breath together and they kind of meditate all together and they go like, "This is a human Whoa. life. This is very important." Like it was like very touching. They're they're fantastic. All of them are fantastic characters, but it's really reassuring that there wow. are doctors and people out there that are really caring for. And you see the behind the scenes of like what it's like being a neurosurgeon and they're doing tests and oh, it's crazy. But just that killer. moment, yeah, it's it is killer, man. It is absolutely killer, and it's it's kind of like oh, they don't. I don't think they. I don't know if they teach you that in medical school, right? Like. Um, yeah. if they, if they're only teaching a little bit about nutrition, I don't, I doubt that they're, they're teaching a lot about meditation. <laughs> so, I, but that's an assumption. I have, yeah. I have no fucking idea, but like what you're saying, like the, um, there's something like behind the craft It's like the human that is behind the craft, the vessel that's behind the craft that also needs to be taken care of. And we know like a lot of our heroes could do that, but mm. like there was that other side of them. Uh, like Philip Seymour Hoffman or things like that. People with demons and shit like that, that like someone mm-hmm. couldn't get that shit mm-hmm. under control. And it's uh, th- that's sad, but like, oh, it's so yeah. important. It's so important that you, you learn those techniques like breathing and, you know, centering yourself and kind of opening the door. You really have to, mm-hmm. you really have to, I, I don't know what, what I'm still working on what baggage I have, but you know, I, I, I know, I know I get a certain way when, 
um, I hit a certain personality type, you know, when someone is, yeah. is really shielding or, or bullying. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And part of me wants to plow through that with rage. But the other piece of it is I think I wouldn't be the director I am if it wasn't the performer I am because the performer's fearless. The performer's right. like, you want to fucking, you want to ask me to go perform in front of a thousand people tomorrow mm-hmm. or this afternoon. I could, you know, I mean, I'm rusty as fuck now, but I'd just be like, yeah, why not? You know, yeah, like, cause right. that shit is, you know, I know you're the same way. It's like, yep. yeah, I mean, why the fuck not? Cause it's, you know, that's thrilling. It's what we're meant to do. And I think that, that piece of it for what it's worth, it's, um, that that's armored me to do what I can do. And you, part of that is that centering of yourself and breathing yeah. and knowing how to do it and not, you know, and get enough sleep the night before and not being an asshole, you yeah. know, um, yeah. taking care of the instrument as it were. Congratulations on uh Sundance, man. That's, oh, that thank was, you. that's fucking amazing. Thanks, dude. That is so, is, was that like always yeah, a goal crazy. for you? Uh, was that like the, the kind of Mecca for you to be like, I need to create something for that. Or were you just trying to create something you know, does it go back to like, I'm, I'm creating scare me for me. You know what I mean? Like this is something I oh, want to oh, watch. Dude, I, you, you just nailed it. Technically yeah. the first part of your, your question. Yes. Like Sundance and making something that I could do or be in or direct or act in or anything in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, I want, I wanted to go to Sundance. I went to slam dance years ago with a tiny movie. It was the year Heath Ledger died. That's about as, as, as Crazy. long ago as it was. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I had this like tiny part and the director was super nice. I basically had an under five and he was like, yeah, sure. You know, come and just kind of join us. And, um, so it was a bucket list item to go, but scare me was out of kind of a personal necessity. It was no one's going to spoon feed me. I yeah. just read the du- the Duplass brothers book like brothers, which yep. any filmmaker should read, you know, yep. say what you will about the Duplass brothers, but that was really, really motivating. And then, you know, our manager, Brian mm-hmm. was like, there's no reason why you can't with all your favors, go out and make something really small that showcases you and showcases, you know, another actor that you might want to play with. Yep. And I made it out of necessity. I made it because I had a DP in Brendan Banks, who's also a producer who would fucking kill to make a movie. Yep. So he's like, I'll do whatever. You're finding the hungry people. Like, yep. this sounds great. Yeah. You got to find the right people to do. It. And you know, Aya Cash and Chris Red and Becky Drysdale, who came aboard to 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 fill out the cast. Yeah. They had the same idea. Those, those, those are people that just want to come and play and just like do cool shit. <clears throat> so I'm lucky that uh I'm lucky that I got to do it and it just it turned into another a whole other thing out of my passion for just wanting to do something needing to do something for myself with zero expectation the goal was to make a movie yeah the goal was just to make something for me and to just you know cross it off the list if it sucked who cares yeah you know, we'll hold the boom and be in it like whatever yeah right. um, <laughs> let's just try and it turned into this you know this really cool thing it's it's already far exceeded my expectations and i was super grateful to go and but also for anyone listening or anyone who's like i have to go to sundance um or have to win xyz award it's it's also like it's a circus you know yes. it's and and you'll you you'll enjoy it in the moment and soak it up and you have to but you'll also forget about it and you also end up going back to the same place we all are in which is mm-hmm. back at the desk with a piece of paper in <laughs> yeah. front of the computer yep. and um it's not going to it's not going to change your career mm-hmm. necessarily if you go right. it really really won't i mean it's hard to tell what's going to change anything with the state of our world but sure. people can't get too caught up in 
oh man, if I don't get in or if I didn't get accepted, I, I suck. It's, it's not the case. It's just another one of these, you know, sort of psychological hurdles, I think. Yeah. It's such like an honor to get it. It's almost like getting on, you know, 8H, right? It's like, it's like, oh man, I'm here. I it did, the, I did the it thing, is. but it's always like getting the thing is, I always talk about it. Like the journey to get there is kind of the cool shit. Getting there is like the cherry on top of the Sunday, And then the Sunday starts to melt. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you got to like make your own fucking, you got to, you got to do it again. It doesn't, I I think that's what I got caught in my head where it was like, oh, you know, I was, I, I, I got booked on this TV show. I became a series regular. Uh, the next year. And I was like, great. Now I can get Mm -hmm. some momentum to audition more. Then I moved out to LA. I got less auditions. It totally railroaded my career and made me doubt everything I've ever done. It made me start this podcast again though. And it was such a, it was such a shift. Right. So it was like, it's such a great lesson to be like, you can get the biggest things and go back. It's not like it. Listen, if you want to win the lottery, that's one thing, right? Like if you want to like, Get the thing that if you want to book the TV show that uh, is syndicated and, you know, you get a shit ton of money from it. And that's like the one big thing you do in your career and you do a little other things here and there. That's great. That's cool. You just seem to be the type of person like once you get the thing, like you have the drive to kind of keep moving on and kind of keep seeking shit out. So I think it depends Mm -hmm. on the type of person that you are. If you're if you just want to win the lottery, then I think things will be disappointing as if you were playing scratch offs, you know what I mean. Of you might, course, you might win. That's, a, that's you exactly might win ten right. grand on a scratch off. That doesn't mean you're going to win the fucking Powerball. In fact, you're probably yeah. not. So it's like, I think it's a personality uh, thing. That's a, those are all really really good analogies. I think that's kind of ideal. I, you, I know you and I both know people who have kind of hit the quote unquote mecca, and then the sure. Sundays melted. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like, and you see it too in actors' careers who once had their heyday and are now doing you know, schlocky gigs. And, um, I think, I think in some cases it's a very, very noble thing. I got, I got to put food on the table. You have families, you've got a career, but you know, some people aren't, um, there, there's either a self doubt there or they truly were someone that won the lottery and are now coming back around to square one where they need to play again. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's a very, very real thing. And some people hit it and catapult, you know, they have a second life or resurgence in, in the latter parts of their career. But I wonder if I'm just curious, did you, when, when, when you got the show, when you got this season two of the show and you were series regular, did you feel a sense of complacency? In a way where you were like, I'm going to put creative stuff on hold right now. Um, creative meaning writing stuff, creative meaning so any self-generating stuff. Like yeah. I'm going to just keep slamming while the iron's hot. You already did do what the when the iron was hot, you moved to LA. But I'm just right. curious, just from your sort of psychological state where you were, where you were headed. It's such a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. I'm trying to think. As you're asking, I was like, oh man, that's a good question. And I think the answer was. I got the thing that I wanted and I wanted to put as much effort into mm. that. I'm not great at multitasking. So when I'm working on a project, I have to like kind of give all of myself to it. Mm. And it's been kind mm-hmm. of more of a challenge now that Laura and I pitch stuff and we work on different people's projects and we're trying to punch up stuff. So it's a little all over the place for me. I love doing that because I like being collaborative. But I, when I'm doing mm. that, I really need to focus on that one project for a day or two to really punch up, to really think about it. I need to walk about it. I need to think about it. It's hard for me to like work on two projects at once. So I think I naturally didn't feel bad 
about putting some of the create other creative stuff on the back burner. In fact, I think I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I specifically put money aside then to know knowing that I wanted to make a short make this short film. So mm-hmm. it was like, all right, good. I have this thing and I'm gonna bank this and I'm not gonna touch that money because that's what I'm gonna make my short film with. And oh, I didn't so touch smart. that. I yeah, I, I, I really kept that money and made my short film with it and lucky and i was lucky enough that i could do that i didn't it didn't come to dire straits that i needed to tap into that but that was the first motherfucker thing i was going to tap into when it came down to it so it's great i think it was i think i needed a focus i needed i was like i'm going to really try to really work i'm going to know all my lines i'm going to show up prepared i'm going to really be present i'm going to really experiment i'm going to really i'm going to make the best of this situation so um and the se- the second season was a little bit more of a disappointment. The first season was a real like amazing experience. The second season, like thing, every, every it got it felt more like work, and and there were some things behind mm. the scenes that were a little bit more difficult to deal with. So that it was maybe a little bit more yeah. frustrating. But but uh, yeah, I think, you got to work with some fucking cool people, though. Oh my god! I mean, I got to work with the incredible. second day on the first season. I got to work with a hero of mine who's Michael J. Fox, and that was and I got to improvise with him, and that oh. was. Oh that was bo- both terrifying, and the after the first scene we did, I was like, "This guy is a fucking pro." You know what I mean? Not only yeah. is he battling Parkinson's while doing this, he's sharp as fuck. You know what I mean? Which is oh, like, oh my immediately God. where you're so like, cool. "How frustrating is it to him to have this, have his mind be that sharp and his body not be that sharp?" I was like, "Motherfucker, this guy Oof, is my hero. Wow. He is so good." <laughs> like. <laughs> everything you've wanted wanted him to be his wife was in the in the scene as well she's amazing they were so great oh they were so God. great to, they were just so professional and so funny and so kind and so generous it was just like i was like this is the second day of filming like i was like this is it man it cannot get any better than this it was it was a true it was a true honor it was a true joy it was like he was he had I'd seen Back to the Future at that point. Like, <laughs> I'd seen Doc Hollywood way too much. You know what I mean? It was like it was, yeah. So that the that frighteners, yeah. Like you just, yeah. He's he's he is, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I hope you just soak, yeah. I soaked that man. I, I'll never forget that memory, man. I'll never forget that's that. That's forever. Yeah. Yeah. What about over these couple of years, man? Was it? Were there any like I got to give this shit up points for you? Were there any major kind of disappointments? Were there any things that you kind of came close to and you were like, "Fuck, that was it, man." Like so, SNL happened and. Um, was there anything like along those lines or was it kind of just like your drive is kind of pushing you along? You were kind of taking what you were getting. I'm sure there are disappointments, but, um, I just, it's funny. I just watched this awesome panel from seed and spark two days ago with Mm -hmm. Naomi Perrigan, Jen Richards and Emily Gordon where they were talking about writing Mm -hmm. and, and rejection. Yeah. And I know that there have been disappointments along the way, like, um, pitching something right now with a friend who's far more successful than mm-hmm. I am, who thank God, you know, because we'd met years ago when we were nobodies, yeah. um, made a connection and, and she is entrusting me with kind of building out a concept for, for something. And the first, and she was like, you know, um, to her credit with, with her kind of the fire behind her was like, we're going to, we're going to sell this show to this place. Yeah. And then we go to this place and then they're like, nope. <laughs> so there, there are going to be those disappointments yeah. 
And there have been for me, I mean, uh, on a fucking weekly basis. I mean, I think I, I think I've been pitching stuff for forever. I was just telling my fiance last yeah. night, the closest I ever got to selling a show, we went, we were in two, almost three years of development. And then, and then they said, no. Yeah, um, damn. And that was after two, you know, two networks back to back. So there's always disappointment. But like for what I learned from that panel was you have to just be, you have to just be happy just writing or yeah. just like doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you'll hit a point where like, a lot of people do. And I've certainly gotten close to it. Um, I think it's oxygen for me. It's not oxygen for everybody, but it's close enough. Some people are just like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. And they want something that's more sustainable <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, and, uh, so yes, it, that it happens on a weekly, if not a monthly basis where there are disappointments, but there's nothing that's been so devastating where I'm like, eh, because it's just part of it and you have to be okay with it, it being, um, with rejection, you know, being yeah. part of it. Um, I think in, in, I'd say in the past, you know, five years, my, I wouldn't even say a big, biggest disappointment, but just, you know, a, a, an upset or something that I was, you know, kind of most bummed about was I did a pilot with Kristen Milioti, oh. Megan Ferguson, Jesus. Nina Pedrod for <laughs> Rob McClenney and the Always Sunny guys for FX. <laughs> oh man. Um, and it was like a dream network, a dream cast. We were the four cast members. It was me and the, me and these incredible women. Oh my God. Um, and, uh, and it didn't go. And I was, and that was, you know, you're, you're, you're waiting for four months or whatever, oh. um, to hear if this thing is going to go five months and, and it didn't, but you know, luckily I still keep in touch with these yeah. incredible geniuses. Right. And you just, uh, the, the DP Magdalena Gorka, I've worked with several times and pitched her to shoot my film. And that's awesome. You just, you meet people. Yeah. You know, right. Right. Um, and that's what you gotta, that's what you gotta take out of it to, you know, you, you, to build it out into something bigger and better. Yeah. It's in the microcosm is like the UCB, which I, it's like, you're meeting people there, right? Like you're meeting your future mm-hmm. collaborators and, and, and even these jobs that you don't get, you're still meeting people. And if you're like a good person and you're like collaborative and like, you're not a fucking psychopath. Like you're creating <laughs> relationships. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's so important, especially if you, if you generate your own shit. And I, I found that people will respond. Like I was so afraid to ask certain, you know, people to like do my short film. And it, it was like people, mm. I think people want to do these things. They want to do a couple day shoot. They want to do a little thing here and there. I think, mm-hmm. I think, tr- I think real actors like want to do some of the smaller stuff because it gets them in touch. There's just something about it, right? There's just something about doing those. There's just an energy and there's like frustrations and, you know, there's like always something that goes wrong. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like mm-hmm. that you're, it, it's a real camaraderie kind of thing. I don't know. I think sometimes actors kind of crave that you know, small scale shit. I think it's good to kind of go back to that after you've had your ass wiped a little bit, been pampered a little bit, had your mm-hmm. fucking air conditioned trailer, had people <laughs> waiting on you. You know what I mean? I th- maybe not everybody, obviously I, we know a ton of people that are like, well, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So, but I don't know. There's something about it that it's like, I think people are more open. There's an independent that that's why there's indies, man. You yeah. know, I had I had a PA on on a tiny ass movie I did before I moved out here. She said, "Yes, yeah, we just work with Danny Glover and 
Danny's in his, you know, got early seventies and yeah. he's changing in a, uh, you know, in the back of a sprinter van, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like that shit still happens. And it happens when you're, when you've done all the lethal weapon movies, yeah. um, or the sequel to predator, but yep. you still want to like be doing your character acting thing. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's a very real part of it. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Are you, are you like scared shitless about like what's going to happen with this pandemic? Or are you like uh, trying to stay positive about it? Like from a directing standpoint, you directed a bunch of commercials. Like are, what is, are you, you probably have, you know, your finger on the pulse a little bit more on that end of things. Um, I have a bit of a sense. I mean, I know, I know people have been shooting probably more than they should. Right. Um, I know non-union shoots are going on. I haven't been hit up for those. I'm, I'm a, I'm a DGA director. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think the union is, is probably withholding, you know, actual statewide, um, uh, uh, nationwide shoots, union shoots until, until they know that there's little to no liability. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to come back and yeah. I think there's going to be major prosperity on the other end of this. Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of people, um, I'm looking at, you know, next year, quote unquote. Yeah. Next year is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. well, we don't know. 20, 2021 could be economic collapse. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, the Republican administration, again, you're not supposed right. to say his name. That's like what I learned on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 45. But, uh, yeah. Right. 45 will maintain. Right. Uh, but I, I really do think, I don't know. I'm an optimist. I think on the other side of this, things are going to be okay. I'm also saying that from a place of privilege. Sure. I'm also saying that from a place of, of, you know, yeah, I'm watching my bank account dwindle like everybody else. Right. But I have a minute. I'm not immediately worried. Mm-hmm. I will have that worry. I mm-hmm. definitely will. And I think, you know, where, where my head goes is okay. I've been in survival mode before. I'm in a version of it now. Um, let me focus on animation, you know, yeah. not just children's animation is going to be a thing, but adult animation, you know, like there's going to be a step brothers, you know, version of an animated movie. Right. What is right. that? What does that look like? You know what I mean? Yep. And, and yep. that's where we should be thinking. You should buy recording equipment to knock out voiceovers. If that's still a thing, if, it, right. if it's, you know, whatever, you know, if you have a little bit of cash and you want to animate some funny thing to put out there to just start self-generating, that's where my head goes. Yeah. Adaptability, adaptability in a sense, right? You got to have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the great majority of us performers have that adaptability because we're used to that volatility. Oh yeah. We're used to being broke. We're used yep. to the floor being taken out from under us. And I think that's, I think that's just kind of naturally. Yeah, my, it's such a good my point. Head, my, my mind goes, <laughs> yeah. I think that's just what we we're just used to it. It's yeah, like, you know, yeah. Hey, great. You you want me to perform tonight in front of a thousand people? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be broke for six months. I'm yeah. going to get recurring on a TV show. It's like, you're just fucking, you know, you're, you're dancing. And it's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, good on you for you, both of you for having a kid and knowing that, you know, we're in a gig economy kind of a world. I'm not, I'm, I'm sure you guys are, are kicking ass and on more cylinders now than you were, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that's a really admirable and incredible thing. And it's, and I think it's going to be for you, you raise a kid to, to yeah. be that same way. And I think that, that begets a really wonderful person who, yeah. who, you know, has 
grows up less in that place of the pampered privilege yeah. that really appreciates when it is. Right. That, that's what I, that's what I like about the idea of, you know, of having kids in, in our, in our world and just being a performer. I don't know. Is that kind of where, does that kind of line up with how you guys sort of perceive it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like something that we wanted that we thought was important in our lives and it's, and it's changed our lives uh, for the better, but it's very hard. You know what I mean? It's, it's the biggest challenge of our lives. And, to 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 su- sustain another human being while uh you this is what you learn Josh you learn that you have this like extra well of energy that mm. comes out of necessity man like you just have this other you have this other part wow. of you that just has not existed and it's full of love and it's full of kind of like uh frustration and it's like all the emotions it's it's like if you unlocked like the attic that you never went into and you unlocked it. And then all these emotions just kind of flew out like ghosts. That's kind of what it's like, because it's like, Whoa, I've never felt love like this before. I've never felt fear like this before. I've never felt anger exactly this way. I've never felt this level of protectiveness. It just opens up this whole other thing. So it's overwhelming and you experience all those things, but you're operating on a, heightened state sometimes of emotions. And then you kind of have to like numb yourself out by like watching a documentary and eating chocolate. You know what I mean? Like there's like the, there's like the, like, not that other people without kids are not doing that, but like it's, you, you kind of open the, the frequency of emotional ups and downs get. So it's interesting that you say that it's like, kind of going through having the rug pulled out from us being broke. It's like, it Mm -hmm. does prepare you a little bit for, for this because you know what it's like to be on the top. You know, what it's like to be on the bottom. You know, what it's like to be in between, you know what it's like for your mm-hmm. future to be uncertain. And that's kind of day to day having a kid. Everything is uncertain. You can have a routine, but that gets broken up. You can have all things set up perfectly, but they don't want to do it. It's just like all mm. the shit, all this shit. Yeah. So, and then an ear infection. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. exactly. You got to be ready for Yeah. And also like studied. You got to be studied for this shit, right? You, gotta you have like, to do okay, your well, homework. You got to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's like, I want to read, a, I want to read the Duplass brothers book. I'm going to read how to read this other book on how to raise my kid as well. Can I read them at the same time? I can, but I do better reading one at a time. So it's like constantly banking mm-hmm. stuff and being like, <laughs> I think it's more important to figure out how to get my child to kind of sleep on a regular schedule right now. Mm-hmm. than then learn mm-hmm. how to shoot my own film. You know what I mean? Like, so you kind of, <laughs> you do that stuff and it's, you go like, man, if I didn't have a kid, I could just do all these things. But it's like, you, you have this within that attic also is like, like a, like a power up coin where you like hit it like in a fucking video game. And you're like, I could do another three hours, uh, because you have to, right. You learn, you, you hit this point of necessity where your body goes probably no different than like walking in a fucking desert where you're like, I think I'm going to die. And it's like, go, you could walk another two hours. Like you'll find, you know what I mean? Like you, you, if you had a choice, you could go. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You hit a wall, you hit walls all the time. You're going to hit walls. Those first like three, four months are fucking a nightmare. I mean, it's just like, it's, you don't, I don't have any memory of it. It's, it's bonkers. So you hit, you hit your walls. (laughs) I recommend it though, because it's like, it's a, the joy that it brings us is, you know, incomparable to all those other things. But now yeah. we have to, you have to travel with a kid. So that's really hard. You have to, I have to travel with yeah. a kid and a dog. That is insane. Why are we doing this to ourselves? But it's, it's temporary pains, I think. And, uh, for, for lifelong joys. And I, I try to kind of keep that perspective. These are temporary, although in the moment 
it's very easy to say this now, but in the moment, it fucking sucks. Like, it's really yeah. hard and it's really stressful and it's like, it's really, really difficult. So that's that's about mm-hmm. it. Like, you, you just have to suck it up and get through it and know, like, this is temporary. This six hour flight will end uh, one way or another. <laughs> this fucking flight's going to end. And she's not going to be in pain this whole time. She's going to have a meltdown. So you have to go through, uh, you know, that's kind of just part of the part of the deal. And everybody handles that shit differently, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody handles mm-hmm. that shit differently. Mm-hmm. It triggers stuff in you that you didn't that you did not know. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it boils shit up where you're like, whoa, I'm acting like my parents in this. Situation. There's all sorts yeah. of stuff. They have to. That's why I highly recommend therapy. You know, like you could talk some of this oh, shit out. Yeah. You can unpack some stuff, and and really, it's got to be a weird fucking thing when you can hear your parent in your in you. you it know, when is you're like talking to them. You're like, oh, it is an existential. Cr- it is so. It is a. Uh, it is like I'm watching three people. It's it's so hard to explain in a in a millisecond. I kind of remove myself from my body and see my younger self and my mother talking to me a certain. And it's just. It's bonkers, man. <laughs> it's a fucking trip. Hey, I recommend it. I, that's coming from a yeah. pandemic during social unrest and trying to, you know, like I, I, I still recommend it, man. I, I still think, yeah. it, I think, I still think it brings more good than bad. And and having someone, yeah, that level of love is, you know, I I'm can't, sure it does. Yeah, I can't. Fuck yeah, that. I'm sure it does. And uh, and the partnership taking on that responsibility is, you know, that that levels up your whole relationship. It's like, yeah. oh, we can do it. You know. Yeah, we can do anything. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to end on me, man. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had to. I had to ask because it's it's that's a thing. Well, if it's you know, not everybody wants to do that. But listen, you know, man, if it's on your mind totally and, you, and you're kind of going back and forth with it, and yeah, I mean, I, I I'm happy to talk to you more. You know, off the air about it if you want yeah, anytime. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, I've yeah. talked to some other soon to be dads about it, and and that's uh, uh, it's a trip, man. It's definitely a trip and uh, you got to organize your fucking life a little bit better. And, and you have yeah. to, you have to be okay with being like, I'm going to work for 15 minutes and I don't want to do that because it takes my creativity a while to, you know, ramp up, but mm-hmm. you have fucking 15 minutes, man. So like, what can you get done? Yeah. Can you jot down Make some ideas? Yeah. So it's like, it's using time more efficiently. Because again, oh yeah, Dan Powell calls it. Yeah, it's like you really got to compartmentalize the two, you know three hours the kid is out of out of the house. Yeah, you know if you know you got that 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 window, you compartmentalize. I'll say something that I actually yeah. do well. I think when I am with her, I'm pretty present. I'm not like my brain is. I'm not like oh fuck, I could be writing right now. Or I'm really just yeah, trying to be there with her because <laughs> you know what I mean. Because I, I think that's true. Like sometimes that creeps in where you're like. Oh man, the you know she's this, she's playing with this Elmo doll and and uh, but I have like fucking five things to do. Like I ne- my brain just yeah. rarely goes there. It just it just doesn't do any good. It's like let's let's do some voices with my kid. Let's like la- like hearing your kid yeah. laugh is like the fucking it 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 cuts out like weeks of of uh, bullshit in your life. It it, reju- yeah. it rejuvenates you. But this is personal. This is a personal experience. I don't know. I don't fucking know how anybody else. Yeah. You know, well, the, the, the fact that you're reacting that way and not like, I can't do it is, is good. No, I, baseline. <laughs> it's fucking really it's hard. It's a specifically, you know, especially hard right now. Uh, it's not going to yeah. always be right now. So I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy this time that I have with her. Right. Like we're not on set. We're not, um, you know, I'm not in Atlanta. I'm not anywhere mm. but with her. And 
Like, mm-hmm, let, mm-hmm. let me watch this human grow. It's it's fascinating. It's fucking absolutely fascinating. Oh man, that's amazing. Just to just to kind of wrap it up, I didn't know how you felt. I know like college humor kind of like went through like a revamp. Did you was? I don't know if you want to talk about that or or anything like that. I should have asked you before, but. Um, oh no no no! Oh my gosh! You you mean you mean that they they um they sold and, yeah and they're kind of they're yeah. started build, building back up again. Yeah. I'll say this man. I mean I, you know we talked about Sam a few times. Yeah, <clears throat> Sam is an old dear friend, and he is he is a great majority reason why the site is known. Why yeah. the site is known for for the video it's known for. Why why it's you know some of the videos have have been award winning. He he took a brand that was inherently sort of misogynistic. You know, I, I started my career there directing videos about boobs and beer and still, still, you know, in recent years in 2013 did a whole series about a character who's, even though it's not necessarily making fun of a character who's fat, who's overweight, you know, Mm -hmm. precious plum. Yep. Um, but, but there wasn't quote unquote fat shaming in 2013 when we did, when we did the, the, you know, season two, when we, we did it again for dropout, um, there were conversations I was having with people where that was, that was a, um, that is a new, uh, a term in the ether, so to speak. So even though I was, I was doing stuff that, you know, was more savory and acceptable back then than it is now, Sam's responsible for, you know, encouraging his cast to make, I mean, there are sketches on that site about being bisexual, yeah. um, and, and queer there's, there's stuff, you know, sketches about sexism and, um, yeah. you know, competition and family trauma. And, you know, I mean, you, you can almost just kind of, you could find all that stuff. They, they really, they, they really got really, um, incredibly nuanced and, uh, and it's because Sam encouraged these guys to, to do it. And that's just, it, it never was who Sam was. So right. about, about its revamp and it's rebuilding, I mean, it's rebuilding with the, you know, the person who turned it from one thing to another, to the best version of what it was. And yeah. it's now building it back up into something better. Yeah. Um, so he's such I'm, a great I'm dude. stoked to see what it is. Yeah. He really, really is. And, and, and he's still, he's still helping, um, you know, people that had to get laid off. He, yeah, he's still totally. coming back to those writers. We, I think, God, we just shot one or two things. He sent equipment to my house in case, you know, we do videos. Um, <laughs> and he did that for all the cast members, That's you know, he's like, Hey, here's let's green screen and some lights and a webcam. Yeah. Like maybe we'll make some stuff. We'll shoot some stuff over zoom. Like, they're, yeah. you know, so there's, and they're still going. Um, yeah. and it's really, really cool. So I'm, I'm thrilled and I, I'll, I'll always do stuff, Yeah, you know, when, and if I can, I'll always do stuff at least, at least for Sam and with Sam. Yeah. Um, because you know, I mean, when I, when I had nothing going on or nothing coming in, yeah. he, and even, even when I was on staff, I mean, he did stuff. He, you know, there was favoritism there <laughs> with yeah. him, him being my buddy since we were teenagers where he was like, I know you're unhappy here. Just go make the most ridiculous things you want to do that are totally off brand. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's what kept me around <laughs> for sure. So it's, it's, it's good. It's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see where it's going to go. Well, thanks so much for doing this, man. Um, dude, it was my so pleasure. good catching up with you, dude. Yeah, yeah, same, same, man. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. This was awesome. That 
was Josh Rubin. Thanks, Josh, for doing this again, buddy. Uh, go to his website, joshesmindhouse.com, for more info and follow him on Instagram at Josh Rubin for lovely and hilarious videos. He's on Twitter at Josh Rubin. I'm on Twitter at Don Finelli or at The Need to Fail. Questions, concerns, failure stories of your own, email me, the need to fail at gmail.com. All things need to fail merch, aka my one design. Head over to T Public, uh, search the need to fail or mahalo your dreams, or check out my social medias for the links. Got sales going on for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and why not rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher and tell all your failing friends to do so as well? It's never too late. That's it for me here. Got all new failures coming at you next week. Thanks for listening. My name's Don Finelli. Mahalo your dreams. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.